0: Welcome to week two of InkStud's book club. Well, I guess it's not week two, session two, because the last one we did was probably what four weeks ago, three weeks That's ago, three weeks ago. Three. three weeks ago. The first time we talked about Jason's uh, latest book, which name is escaping me right now. Um, hundred thousand graves. Hundred thousand. A lot, lot of graves. Yeah. Ten 000, 000, many thousand, hundred thousand, many. Something like Jillian. Right. Yeah. Uh, so this time, uh, Brandon's pick We're reading Ronan, so I blame Brandon for this uh, Blame Frank Miller <laughs> <laughs> He was a young man, you have no excuse um, So let's do a little round of introductions uh, Just say your name, first name, last name You don't even have to say last name if you don't want to And uh, where you're located So, Brandon? Um, Brandon, I'm down the hall from you in Vancouver all right
1: Steve I'm Steve Rolston I'm elsewhere in Vancouver
2: <laughs> Colleen I'm Colleen I'm in Colorado right now
1: Nolan
3: uh, Nolan T Jones out in Las Vegas Nevada Andrew
4: I'm Andrew um, in Fairbanks Alaska
5: and Chris Chris Green, yep,
0: here in Fairbanks, Alaska. <laughs> last but not least, Sean.
6: Um, Sean Witzke, I'm in the Poconos in Pennsylvania.
7: All right. Uh, Actually, I'm last and least, Robin. Oh,
0: Brian! Sorry, I totally <laughs> skipped you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, fail on my part. I many apologies, Brian. Go ahead.
7: No problem. Brian Wagner in
0: Chicago. There we go. steady. Uh, thank you all for coming on for uh, this week's uh, book of discussion, uh, Ronan. Now, my first question is: How many of you was this the first time you'd actually you'd read it?
1: Me,
3: I, th- I think I'd only read the first issue previously. So I know I had read at least that. But anyone
4: else? I'd read the first issue before. I mean we like we've had a copy of it and someone who had like been borrowing it for like years.
1: I think i I bought the book about five years ago and it's just been collecting dust on the bookshelf ever since. It's never got around to reading it.
0: Anyone else? Or has everyone kinda read it before and reread it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right.
2: Yeah, yeah I'd say so. Nope.
0: No. My personal viewpoint reading this book, probably the third or fourth time I'd read it, and maybe this is gonna be sound really cynical, the this reading had the least impactful, even though I hadn't read it for years, maybe partly because I'm not fifteen anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, not... What was that? And it's not the eighties anymore. <laughs> That's okay. I wasn't 13 in the 80s or 15 or whatever. Uh, did anyone have any strong viewpoints towards this book particular of um, kind of really grabbing them when they read it this time?
2: Uh, I think for me, my first memory of this book was discovering it on the floor of my best friend's dad's van when I was seven. (laughs) And um, I didn't really read it. I didn't have time. So I just sort of flipped it open and went straight to the visual sequence where they're underground and uh, was completely excited, um, but disappointed because there weren't more sex scenes. But uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) but I I didn't actually, I I hadn't actually, yeah, sorry. But I hadn't actually um, uh, read it uh, fully as a kid. I don't know if I would have um, totally got it. But uh, I would try to sneak uh, peeks of it when I could. I wasn't supposed to read it. Um, I got taken away from me when a, my friend's dad caught me with it. So it was actually for this talk that I read it um, in, in its entirety for the first time. Um, which was kind of weird to come back to it that way. Um, did anybody else like encounter this like a long, long time ago, this book?
6: Uh, I had it given to me when I was, like, 13 from an uncle who knew I liked Batman, and then he couldn't mm-hmm. find the Dark Knight Returns, so he gave it to me. Because mm-hmm. it says Dark Knight Returns on the back.
0: Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was a huge fan when I was a kid. So what did you think about reading it now, Sean?
6: Uh, well, I, I really like it. I think it's way more technical now. Like, I, I think it's, like, kind of... You know Miller just going through as much like tricks as he can, and there's like a lot of like formal stuff I never picked up on. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's as juvenile as maybe you do, Robin.
7: <laughs> I like your uh, technical point there, Sean, because um, that was what I really noticed this time too. Was just the like the the layouts that he or the. The similarity of the layouts he uses every two pages and how every two pages kind of work together. Um, I hadn't really picked up on that first.
6: Yeah, um, and like lo- locations have like, like when they're in the complex, like there's a six panel and then one long on the side.
7: Yeah. And then, work- yeah. yeah. Uh, and it really worked for me. Um, I'm reading the Absolute Edition. I don't know if anybody else has that. Um, I see it's really pretty that big.
0: I just have the regular. I think. Um. Going into it, did anyone have any expectations of what they were gonna get from the book?
8: Um, it was it was different for me rereading rereading it because I, I think I only really knew the first issue very well, and I I kind of, I, I think I enjoyed the first issue more than the rest of the series. And so I kind of uh, I, I always it's I think it's a good argument for things working better in issues than collected. There's a lot of kind of repetitive things in the in the issues in between.
0: I almost I thought, feel, Oh go ahead.
3: I, I found myself really curious about historically like how is it solicited and that sort of thing as I read it. Because you know those first twelve pages There's no reference at all to the future stuff. And then you get into that, and by the end of the first issue, arguably, and this is another thing that can be talked about ad nauseum, you know, as far as who the villain is and and how the sides break out. Because Mm -hmm. if you read it as Taggart actually being, yeah, it, it kind of becomes a mess. But at the end of the first issue, Virgo is sacrificed herself and can be read as a good guy, and there's all these things that, you know, The groundwork is so different at the end of that first issue than where it ends up. It's just really bizarre. Very good, but really, really different.
0: Do you think he had the whole thing planned out in advance, or do you think it changed on him while he was making it?
2: I I think it changed on him, (laughs) Yeah, I got that sense, too. Um, I was sort of interested in how maybe he might have changed the story to make you wonder if the myth was even real. was it just a television show that Billy was watching that Virgo channels, or, or that's sort of left up into the air? Because um, in the end it seems like Virgo's completely in control. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys gleaned from that, or if I'm interpreting it you know, differently. And piggybacking
3: off of that, I'd be really interested to hear what anybody had to think about Taggart as far as
1: the relationship with Virgo, because if Virgo takes him over and the whole thing is his
3: charade why is Mm -hmm. he talking to himself so
2: much
8: (laughs) 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 you can blame the 80s for that (laughs) (laughs)
5: perfect i don't think think virgo was supposed to have taken over so much it it, it was more the the controlling controlling on billy it seemed like when they went to the explanation of how everything worked out i think it was it was virgo just influencing directly through her through her kind of one-on-one like isolated relationship with billy she was able to just, she knew how his mind worked, so she was able to utilize that. And Billy was in control of him. I, I thought of, a guy. maybe I'm wrong with that. There seemed to be a lot of, like... Or made by him, anyway. A lot of different interpretations for things. Cause me
4: and Chris were talking about it, and we're like, oh, wait, you thought that she was controlling him the whole time or something? And there's a lot of, like, personal interpretations that happen, like, constantly throughout it. I guess because it's... I guess because it's so non-definitive. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I definitely saw it as you know Billy having the power, but Virgo manipulating yep. him to his mm-hmm. means. And there's, I mean, with,
5: with like Casey's, she's obviously a huge player in this, and her motivation throughout it is something that I wondered about uh, a lot of different times. And that's, I think, it made purposely vague. It seems by the very first two pages, the text portion, the diary from the diary of Casey McKenna, date unknown. Just the fact that I don't know whether this, these dreams that she's having, these recurring nightmares, are before or after this happened. If it was either way, it would make a completely different interpretation for me. Oh.
6: is that in the Absolute Edition? No, yes,
5: this is, a, this oh. is an. Oh, sorry,
2: it is. Well, I'm sure it is. Well, too, it is like included
7: awesome. in the Absolute Edition, but.
2: Oh. <laughs> it's awesome.
6: I, Yeah, I have the I old tree. It part. doesn't have that part. Yeah.
2: I don't recall that part either. I don't either. Oh, is yeah. that not? An issue?
3: Yeah, it's it's issues. Huh. It's at the front, the Diary of Casey and Candidate Unknown, the Vikings called a of the Wolf.
4: Yeah. yeah, at the beginning you're yeah. like, you don't really understand it and you're like, what is this, okay? Yeah. It kind of it kinda fits with the next part about the the samurai master taught, teaching
5: his, his bodyguard stuff but it, you don't realize it until you come back to it later. And I think by the end it seems to be a pretty important piece for me to understanding what it, what's really going on with the different people internally. I don't
0: know. I'm curious how oh. it works into Miller's overall arcing um, output, because I feel like he's using this to work through a whole range of um, not necessarily techniques, but storytelling issues that he wants to cover. Right,
7: it's almost like his fan fiction in a way, isn't it?
0: Kind yeah. of. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: I mean, it, he uses, he has such a Mobius influence that you know doesn't show up nearly as much everywhere else. All the the future, robots, and everything. Just oh, the color.
5: See yeah. We looked out a. Um. I think it was Mobius Two, like volume, and we compared just the first page I opened to had the exact same color scheme, every bit of it down to down to small accenting color. I th-
0: I think it's also important to acknowledge that the colors aren't done by Miller. Yeah. But they're yeah. by Lynn Farley. Um. Which is, is it- a... He did stuff in Batman, too. Yeah, she was his lady for several years until he became a rich Hollywood producer. <laughs> <Aww>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: until the cowboy hat came out. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: uh,
0: I'm not forgiven for that one. <laughs> um, but, it, it, I mean, it's interesting. We, we t- in the last week, we we had Color working in uh, the Jason book and how it was representational and do you feel colors representational in this book? It definitely brings the Mobius out.
6: Uh I think they were like really like the like people say experimental but I think this was like a legitimately experimental thing cuz in uh, the the comic journal Frank Miller book he says that they almost got fired because they had like whole black pages and stuff and they had to go into the printer and explain to them how certain things would look because they literally had never printed an American comic like this. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. I think a lot of it is is them really seeing like how far they could push it and then and then some of that is thematic, but I think a lot of it is just experiments.
0: The character huh. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I think was this the one
8: yeah, something that, that struck me that was interesting about this is is Frank Miller's actually listed as the editor on it, which I thought was interesting. Like in the original issues.
0: Why do you think that was?
8: I, It's weird that it listed him like that. I think it was just that he had enough freedom where he could say, you know, leave me alone, and, and everybody else threw their hands up.
4: Okay, you're the boss, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's
8: got, it's got Karen Berger, you know, the, the head of Vertigo, as
0: the editorial coordinator. Which means it was her throwing her hands up and saying whatever. Um... Now, do you guys know how this book works as far as where it came out in regards to Miller's other work?
8: So this, my understanding, was this right after Daredevil?
0: Yeah. yeah.
4: A priest in City.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, by about eight years. Um, how do you think that figures into him being able to do or into, into why he's doing This kind of outlandish Book in comparisons With Daredevil Which he tried to go as far as he could And eventually left that Did anyone read his Daredevil run maybe? Or was that just oh, yeah. too much to get oh, into? Yeah.
2: I did not, I'll be honest
0: <laughs> I, I did not What? Yeah. How about you Sean? You must have uh,
6: yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I came in with his Daredevil stuff. That was the first stuff I read, like, comics-wise. Those were the first comics I read.
0: Um, yeah, and I really like them. Do you feel this is kind of a response to that?
6: Uh, I think a lot of it is him just really trying to, to not do that, actually. Like, it's... Because it's he hated the superhero stuff, I think. And then, really? like, he's... L- I think his second to last issue of Daredevil is basically saying that superheroes are worthless, and you need to have samurais and actual characters <laughs> on moral forces. <laughs> and, th- and then Roulette is basically like, "Well, this is a vigilante, and vigilantes are terrible people." And then he goes and does
4: Ronin. Huh, but there's so, much, like, there's so much superhero esque ness to this, or he. This is just like him drawing exactly what he wants to do, like fanboy pinups. Yeah, and <laughs> even even when he's like. They're like fighting robots. He's like, no, I'm gonna pretend that they're samurai warriors from monks attacking.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
7: Kind of really get it all there. Mm
5: -hmm. Well, I know when I read this, I think it was just as I was kind of transitioning myself from reading more superhero stuff to reading other things. And it was I was in my Miller kick, of course, reading Daredevil and then going on from that and like I mean it seems to be like you said, that place in his work as well, in his whole realm.
0: I want to talk about the characters in this, um, and how you guys feel about them as fleshed out. The one I had probably the most difficulty is his portrayal of women in the book. <laughs> is the uh, what's her name? Was it Casey? Yeah, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Who who has absolutely no problem sleeping with the samurai guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get rid of her husband so fast. Like their relationship as a
8: thing gets. It's like. It's he, inter- he. It's like he introduces it, and then he's like, ah, "I never liked it anyway. Let's get rid of that."
3: Well, and both. The
8: well, they sh- never like had a good relationship.
2: Her her design changes. Um, it's kind of interesting how she's drawn towards the beginning. Then when she's meeting with her husband, she's drawn very differently, and even her skin tone is different. And I'm not sure if that's just sort of confusion in keeping like the continuity of the coloring or or it, how it was printed. Um, I, I did think this like when she got it on in underground that might have been Billy mentally taking her over or I or whatever it is you want to construct in order maybe it was just sort of like it's time for romance now and, and Miller sort of like eh well eh, okay so she's you know mentally you know being sucked into this world that's that's what we'll uh, do to sort of make that work but um it was kind of weird how her husband kind of got Often, in the end it's like they it's sort of like he he had virgo take him over just to justify why casey could do what she did or something i don't know um <laughs> i just <laughs> it's uh go
8: ahead it is kind of cool that i liked how her hair like her hair is up all the time and then at the end i thought he yeah i thought she'd grown hair the first time i read mm-hmm. it through because it's so dramatically different even when she's like in bed with her husband she's got her hair up and it looks like it's it's shaved or short.
1: Mm-hmm. It's pinned at the back. You know, professional style. Yes. <laughs> Anyone I, else? Oh, oh go oh, ahead, Colin.
2: Oh, I'm uh, sorry. No, I didn't. Um, I didn't necessarily have a, a negative connotation from Casey. I I think maybe it's just sort of like Miller, uh, kind of enjoying his his world and sort of um, switching up things with characters as he pleases. Um. And Casey's just one of his characters, so she's going to be privy to that. I don't know. Maybe that's my interpretation, so...
5: More it's a plot device than as a character, kind of? Like, her, her drive?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
5: Is it somebody who's, like, the one who's
4: witnessing this huge change, or, like, one person's going to go through the most development, and that's her, because she's, like, the center of most of this turmoil and stuff?
2: The the In the end, when uh, it's she orders Billy to... Uh, commit suicide. It was sort of an interesting twist. Um, I, she, in some ways, sort of like she's the most solid uh, character throughout the book, but um, I, I don't know if that's really the best way of describing it. Um, it kind of would be interesting uh, to sort of read the story with her as the as the main character. Um I don't know. It, it's uh, yeah. I think I'm losing my train of my train well, of thought. Well, I, I think she becomes to... the main
3: character though, <laughs> like very yeah. much mm-hmm. as, it, as it goes on. Especially, I mean, there there just becomes a period where Billy, Ronan, what whatever becomes unidentifiable. Mm-hmm. It, they it's almost as if Miller can't decide which one he is for a little bit there,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and then after it, through that point, Casey is definitely the one driving the story forward and the one too that other characters say this is a good person you know Mm -hmm. nobody's talking about how nice billy is or anything like that but everybody's like oh casey couldn't actually be doing espionage we got to help her out Mm
0: -hmm. right do you feel that miller's just um do you feel it's a story based on situation and less on protagonist antagonist yeah it seems like i mean kind of like the ronin character is so
8: personality list through a lot of it, you know, he's just walking around saying, like, Tachi. <laughs> Not even speaking. And it, yeah, I was just saying, it's kind of impressive that, you know, if you have Billy, is this psychic, armless, legless kid, create this fictional character, and he actually manages to seduce this woman that he's into, just by his, like... like if you think, if you took a guy who'd never had a girlfriend and had <laughs> him come up with his fictional ideal, <laughs> I think it'd be really bad at seducing a real woman. So I don't know if that's <laughs> what that says about Frank Miller or if he's just that good at understanding develop, other develop humans. 2
4: changes like you think it's the... Like first it's you true. have it out, this demon guy and uh, he, like his importance kind of lessens and fades as it goes on. Mm. And yeah. he's just a of Virgo as well. Even if he's real. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I really responded to his bewilder, uh, the, his Agat's bewilderment when he takes over the sort of the, the CEO after the this the, the businessmen from the Sawa Corporation uh, see the Ronin and mention, oh, it's like watching a, mm-hmm. one of our our shows, and he has this flabbergasted look on his face. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it's uh, it, it kind of like got me conf- like confused about uh the role of Agat. In the book, like he kind of like Frank Miller thought, like oh this will be sweet, you know, I'll put this demon in there, and over time maybe he thought he made less sense. I might be returning to what we were talking about earlier, but um, yeah,
0: I do feel that's something good to to touch on, where they they reference this this TV show and just kind of mm-hmm. leave it hanging there. How do you think that figures into the world that Virgo created, or that Billy created?
2: Um, I part of me thought. It, this sort of led me to believe that the whole story of the sword exploding was made up. That um, there was, there's no magic sword. There's, there's nothing. There might have just been a television show that Billy liked, and it was channeled into this fantasy. Um, I don't know. What do you? What's your guy's interpretation? I'm interested.
8: I was, it's kind of interesting to me that the sword element never came back again. I guess it blew up. That's, that'd be a good reason not to. But
3: <laughs> Well, but actually, at, at some point when he goes and faces the demons, they're like, he's got the sword.
4: And, yeah. you
6: know it's just a random yeah. sword
3: that he picked up by whomever the guy was that was trying to take his arms off. Uh, there's a lot of things like that that he likes to... He doesn't forget what he's written previously, but he, you know, one line throws it back in, I guess, or just partially bears a nod to it.
5: Hmm. One interesting thing to throw out, I guess, with the Agat and um, Tigert's relationship, I I, I mean, it might be completely unintentional, but I was looking at, I guess, where we like the uh, 25, page 24 of, I think, the fourth book, maybe. It has that and then the following two pages. It's the scene where um, right after that it shows Tigert, and then the next panel is him in his Agat form they both kind of in the same pose. He's standing naked, like, having bathed or something.
4: Mm-hmm. And just
5: so next to each other, kind of showing, okay, this is the same guy, yeah. But the page before that, it has Virgo looking very similar, talking to Tiger, same pose, facing the same direction, the same, like, side profile, with the same kind of, like, I don't know, bony, like, you know, protrusions on the back. Like, very similar. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I suppose it could be perhaps just linking that Virgo is the one pulling the strings here. I guess perhaps that's what he's trying to say right there visually, which is well, at least it's the cool, you know, comics tricks there, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think that's a interesting an interesting look. Um do you guys feel that Miller changes up the art style at all in the book for different situations?
4: I don't know about like art style but definitely textures. Like he always uses like the same little line things for the the bio organic uh computer stuff and the same kind of lines for um machine parts.
3: I think his line density changes a lot throughout. I I found myself at first kind of wishing uh, Klaus Janssen was around inking things. That may be sacrilegious to some, but it was one of those that the, the line weights, the way they change, it was just it, I didn't see at all times the rhyme and reason for it. Uh, very good line work, but just so different from page to page at times that it was like I don't I don't see what the point is of the change, but at the same time, the, the looseness to it all was something that was cool in terms of like the two-page spread of Aquarius and the way that that changes. The, there's that building on the lower right side, and he doesn't draw it the same way any two times. He just, I don't know, goes from memory or something. And I thought that was really interesting and a loose way to go at it that would be very different than how I would be afraid to look at a page.
5: I think the most um, striking stylistic change that I've noticed is is right after um, I guess Casey and her little posse come and you know take out the Ronin with their like taser things and it's when he's unconscious coming back to consciousness he wakes up and he, he kills the two bosses from the different like you know underworld gangs and it's painted it's like I don't know watercolor goosh kind of a look to it very just drastically different this is again I guess it's mostly um Lynn, Lynn what's her name Lynn barley's part, perhaps mm-hmm. but I mean his line work is also very different. It's floaty, just more contour line drawing looking, and it puts like it for me, it was very effectively putting that kind of sort of dream state like if this was a film, the sound would be muted i can like I could see it in a film and there's I think a lot of you know film reference in here as um influence, I should say and that's I think the strongest shift I guess
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I like that shift see. that was that was good use yeah, um, was very fun- One of the things that threw me off the most about this book. Is the, the cross hatching I found a lot of very awkward hatching throughout the book and, spe- and it yeah. kind of like really ramps up in certain scenes like especially like the scene where Casey and and, Mc- and her husband are having sex There's like just really poorly done cross hatching and that's actually the worst situation but then there's like other scenes throughout and then sometimes the hatching disappears completely but I can't find a rhyme or reason for why he made that shift
2: exactly and, it might uh, not
1: be was, oh sorry. Uh, I was wondering maybe this is mood of the day. I don't know. What do you guys think? I
7: I see a lot of um Mobius' earlier uh work, a oh. lot of his crotch ha- cross hatching in there. Um you talk I've read like a lot of the a lot of the really early stuff. Um 'cause I uh, l <clears throat> I've I've seen a lot of the reprints from the epics uh the epic reprints from the eighties. And he does a lot of s- stuff like that earlier earlier on before he adopts more Clear line style.
0: It's Are you talking like uh, Blueberry era?
7: I'm not too familiar with Blueberry, but probably, probably earlier. Certainly by um, mm-hmm. by the time he's on Inkle, you know, he doesn't have any any of that in there. But I know her, his earlier stuff. He has a lot of a lot of cross hatching like that.
8: Brandon. <laughs> oh, I, I was going to say it's interesting because he's like he's two obvious influences in this. It seems like like I always regard Mobius as a guy that that takes his time on everything, and then the uh, the lone wolf and cub guy, what's his name? Uh,
2: Goski Ko- Kojima, Was that it? it's- Yeah, Kojima.
8: He uh, it's like his stuff seems really, really quickly done. So it's like these two influences that are kind of very different approaches to how to draw. And I almost, I I got the looseness almost as like the the Kojima influence. in it's definitely interesting how he's like completely willing to you know, it's like this big D C book that everyone's reading and he's completely willing to just like draw onto the border and do this really loose stuff. Like I'm kind of impressed by his
6: nerve in this. <laughs> I thought there was some Kirby in there too, because I think uh a God's supposed to be
0: Kirby's demon. Oh yeah. Ooh. yeah. Nice. Good. Um <laughs> looking at the art are there points where you feel that like I'm looking at and I feel like there's some pages which he does full size and other pages where he's done smaller and blown it up, huh, so I saw some of the originals online that
8: just just two pages, and I was surprised that it was done on like d c paper at least those pages were
0: you're thinking it would be like the bigger eighteen by whatever,
8: yeah, well Tim doing his like you know it's his his art book or something, you'd think you'd you'd go out and do something bigger, like draw it, you know draw something gigantic, but I don't know, I, I always find DC paper impossible to work on, because it has these little blue lines all over it, so it's hard to it's hard to think of where your panels are going to go.
2: Maybe it was him starting out with sort of what he was used to. I mean, uh, I, I got that he was sort of just playing with different things in the book, and maybe drawing stuff that he was really wished he hadn't drawn, <laughs> um, and going away from it, um, and then coming back to certain things, uh, just because of sort of this weird... Transformation Um, That's the end of my thought
1: um. (laughs) So so Robin, you think that some of the pages Were drawn smaller?
2: I kind of
0: feel that way Um, Especially some of the pages where they look a lot messier I feel like
1: they're probably blown up I I didn't get that feeling I thought he was just switching up his uh, Inking techniques
0: I was just thinking of um, This is totally Another World of Comics, but Brian Chippendale's If and Oof book, where uh, I know the pages in that, like, it wasn't a consistent size. It was basically these random pages would come in. And I almost feel like that's a modern thing, though. Uh, possibly, but it could also be where, say, he works out some ideas and thumbnails and is happy with that and utilizes that instead of re-rendering it, maybe. I don't know.
8: Because if you think he's coming from that, that kind of DC mainstream scene where and, and back then where printing was much more restrictive So you've got like, you know You have to, the artist had to think much more back then About about everything they're doing In relation to how it's going to print And you'd, you'd think it'd be very difficult to hand the printer Like a bunch of
6: different size pages and.
0: Well know. he could have done blown up photostat, Right? Right
6: I thought that was like more of like a Sienkiewicz thing And then people didn't start doing
0: that until like mid-80s Well this would have been 83 yeah. I think this book yeah. came out in, wasn't it?
8: because so, I mean the yeah. first time I, I saw somebody draw different pages on different sizes I remember it just totally blew my mind and I was like what the hell are you doing <laughs> uh,
1: I, I didn't see any situation any panels that, where I thought that was the case because I think I would have noticed more of uh, like the texture um, from the paper like because usually when you blow stuff up like that you can tell the, the edges of the, the lines
2: mm-hmm.
1: it always looks a little more uh, feathered
2: mm-hmm.
1: does anyone else think that he did that? Robin Dolone and I island Robin.
7: Dude, yeah, <laughs> Robin, you're wrong. Pages Go <laughs> um
0: well I'm thinking generally. the specifically the one where he's uh tied down in the uh in that shop where the guy's like taking his limbs and shit. Oh yeah, that was such like an episode of an eighties
8: sitcom that scene. Like it seems kind of out of place in the rest of the book.
7: Wait,
3: what sitcom are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Charles in charge. Just,
8: yeah, Charles. No, there's just some. It just seemed like a weird kind of vignette. Then this crazy, guy captured... It was like one of those like, um, you know, very special episodes of Family Ties or whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I made that connection. It just seems very, very 80s and very like, uh, you know. And here's this crazy guy that captures him for this scene. But he had to get the sword. It's almost like, uh, I don't know. I, I guess in retrospect, it reminded me of the, um, the Pulp Fiction scene where he gets the sword mm-hmm. from the. But I guess mm-hmm. it just maybe Quentin Tarantino was like, that's where
0: you get samurai swords is from pawn shops and crazy guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been in a lot of pawn shops and I can say that could probably be accurate. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think of the uh, the influence of this book? Do you kind of see, reading this, can you see how so much came from that at the time or are you kind of surprised that this book had a lot of influence? on comics after its point. Or do you th- think it didn't? The the thing that's striking, and this isn't necessarily
8: influence, but I just I was thinking about the Rob LaFeld scene where it was like an issue of X-Men or Young Blood or something and he where he traced the the Ronin, the two-page spread where he's stabbing himself through the through the stomach to kill Agat the first time. <laughs> and I was just like <laughs> why would you trace that like the most recognizable scene from one of the most recognizable comics? <laughs> But it, it made kind of reading that scene like retroactively kind of
0: harder, where I was just like, oh, there's that Rob Liefeld page. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Did anyone else have the, the trouble with uh, just constantly thinking about Ninja Turtles? Or is it just me? Oh, I had that At too. Level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's,
4: that's a constant problem with me. Any anything, really.
0: Well, t- I don't know. How many people know that Ninja Turtles was basically... They read Ronin and went, Oh, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this. Well, I remember. And, and yeah, yeah. Daredevil yeah. definitely, especially with the blind. guy. The, the first time
6: there's a spread of the Foot Clan attacking the Turtles is like completely traced from the Frank Miller Wolverine. Like it, it like they just redrew the heads.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
6: and there's. Uh, we should probably talk about Samurai Jack too.
2: Oh yeah. Hmm. Oh, definitely <laughs> oh, this is... Can we nev- talk about cartoons? Is this acceptable?
0: <laughs> you can talk about cartoons I've never actually watched Samurai Jack I'm not Yeah, a I'm with you Robin I've never,
8: I, All I know about it is it's influenced by Ronin It's,
4: it's the out, same
6: story
7: It's
0: exactly it
7: <laughs> You can check out random clips But it looks better <laughs> yeah. and,
4: uh, The
6: the 300 speed ramping is from is from it Huh
4: yeah. There's a really good fight scene where he's like fighting a, a black ninja and he's wearing all white, and there's only like white and black on the screen, and they're each like going in and out of shadows. It's really sweet looking. And he stands Jeez. out sometimes, where the the black ninja stands out sometimes. Nice. Would... Oh, totally.
8: oh, go ahead, Brandon. Oh, just cut you I was just flipping through this. I really like that this kind of shows the, the campiness of maybe him. I don't know if he was thinking of it as a TV series at all at the beginning, but in the first issue, when he goes to Agate's castle, and it just got a giant Agate face on the front of it, I really like how kind of like Cobra coming I just that like is. how
7: there's an anthropomorphic rat for no reason out in front of the castle.
5: Oh yeah, the four-armed yeah. rat. So, to, to clarify, this came out right before um, Dark Knight, right?
0: Yeah, this came out before Dark Knight. Yeah. But shortly before, it just
5: it seems like like stepping back, I suppose, like the overall feel of it, like from the art, the things we've been discussing about the art. To just the overall plot, the story, the like, it just seems like a kind of a, a, a fuzziness to the whole thing, I suppose. Like it's almost this kind of sharp, clear-cut comic. Like he's just approaching that place where he's capable of really having a, a tightly structured thing: art, story, everything combined. It seems just, like just on the verge of that to me. I don't know.
8: Right. Well, Daredevil was a little bit more clear, wasn't it? It was a little
5: yeah. bit yeah. more structured. Yeah. 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 Um. Even enforced structure of like the whole like superhero industry there as well. I don't.
0: I do think it's interesting that he follows this up with uh, Dark Knight, which isn't conceptual at all in the way that this is conceptual, where it is a pretty straightforward character deconstruction. Hmm. I don't so know. good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll agree. Um, would people recommend this book?
8: Oh, sure.
3: The, the panel work alone makes it worth looking at, especially some of the things he pulls... Later on, are just so inventive and cool with the the way it feels cinematic, but is not is just delicious.
8: I can't imagine how somebody who didn't read comics would yeah. take this, like somebody who grew up in the '90s or something.
5: I'd recommend it to different people. Yeah, I would never recommend it to somebody that wasn't a big comic guy that either would take a kind of yeah. formalistic play or was already a big Miller fan and was looking for the next thing. I would definitely not go straight to this. I wouldn't tell my mom to read it.
7: She
5: <laughs> <laughs> my mom loves samurai.
7: I Brandon made you uh, decide to choose it for for the discussion.
8: I just, yeah. I, just I wanted to read it again. <laughs> it, seems, it seems the whole the whole thing <laughs> with this book club is kind of cool because it it like forces me to read comics that I that I wouldn't get around to normally.
0: And that that is kind of the my long term hope is each time we'll discuss something that is completely different um, but hopefully people are tapping into and getting something from and kind of introducing new work that may not be completely comfortable to what they normally read right we're going to
8: get Robin to read empowered <laughs>
6: <Yes. Whoa. sighs> what
2: about love, Up? <laughs> yes <laughs> yay No. <laughs> I want to
0: hear from some more people what they thought of the book who hasn't suggested I whether or not there.
1: well hmm. I'm not sure if I would recommend it um, I, w- I would recommend it to comic creators that I think need to say, study some of the more interesting layout choices in here because theres there's some good storytelling techniques um, that that I was you know I was impressed with but I find it just visually ugly <laughs> um, and and I, I'm not sure a lot of I think that that's probably what would stop me from reading for so long and I think that would probably uh, stop the enjoyment of uh, some people who aren't as interested in the craft of comics because um, first up it reeks very much of 80s which is like one of those flavors I just can't stand um, yeah I, I think I'd be very specific about who I recommend it to
2: do you think that's uh, for more from the line art itself or from the color scheme uh, both yeah also both.
1: just the, also the way um I mean the the color scheme definitely adds a lot but mm-hmm. uh it's also the way he dro- I mean basically the way Frank Miller draws anyone like any female from any of his comics looks like she's still stuck in the 80s doesn't matter mm-hmm. what decade he drew it yeah. I thought that was the appeal <laughs> only if you like that look <laughs> 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 I don't apparently we can't hang <laughs> sure, oh, You can keep the, the big lips and the yeah. high cheekbones <laughs> Um,
0: Brian, Sean, Nolan, what do you guys think? I um,
7: would recommend the coloring to most colors nowadays because I just think the coloring is fantastic, and it's you know it's pretty intense, but it's not any of the over-rendering that you see in in most computer coloring nowadays.
0: You mean the nauseating gradients? Yeah.
2: <laughs> airbrush? Yeah. Fake airbrush?
0: Yeah. It's Ugh. not even airbrush. I miss the airbrush. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if only it was up to the quality of that airbrush. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go and look at my book of Olivia after this. Uh Sean. Um I, I say I
6: recommend it to people, but I say you should read Frank Miller's career backwards Because his new stuff is like super like, hey, this is really exciting, I love comics. And then the older the farther back you go, the more uh like analytical it gets. So I think like Ronan, if he put out Ronan now, it'd feel better because he feel kind of feels like he's talking about like his own weirdness when I read it. Like, <laughs> but, like it feels like, hey, I really like juvenile stories, and here's why I like juvenile stories, and
8: here's I love like, that... yeah, I to go. I was just saying, I love the idea of of young Frank Miller commenting on old Frank Miller.
6: Well, it really <laughs> fit. Fe- like, it's like, hey, I like Batman and I like Codes of Honor, so here's a samurai story. That's kind of how it feels to me. Right. Yeah, it, and like he, it, it's and then at the end he says, "This is stupid, but I'd still rather be stupid and have a good story." That's kind of what the ending feels like to me.
8: Yeah, I, I like that he leaves it open. Like I don't know what the yeah. hell happened there.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No one feels unresolved. Think
3: we all feel <laughs> unresolved.
0: <laughs> it's funny. Last night, Brandon and I were uh, arguing over our favorite Miller books. Um, arguing. Arguing. Yeah, it almost, it almost came close. No, it your did. favorite
4: is this one. No, your favorite is this one.
0: <laughs> I, I'm I'm a year one guy. He's a daredevil uh, reborn. I was arguing that you liked the Jim Lee, the Jim Lee Batman he did. <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: all for that black kind Canary of, page. Yeah, right. Kind yeah. of
8: like in a don't hit yourself kind of kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> it with the
3: masks
0: on. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't <sighs> get me started. I don't
8: know if we arrived at anything. I was saying that I I really wanted to read Electra again.
0: Yeah, which is kind of batshit crazy. What, Assassin?
6: Yeah. It's the best comic ever made.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, done. Done, all right, agreed. We are done here. Um, Does anyone have any other comments about the book they want to kind of toss out there?
5: We could talk about the formalistic play forever, man. There's so much stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I,
8: I really liked that thing in the... I don't even know how effective it is, but I really liked that scene in the end where... He keeps repeating the same um panel the same the same shot as it like gets lit up over like yeah. five pages. Yeah. I like that a lot. So, and you kind of you don't notice it until you're like at the end of it and you're like, oh I've seen
5: this before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How did the whole um the, like the very end large explosion how was that done in the initial um serialized run? The fold
0: out.
8: I think it folds out in the actual issue.
1: Did
0: Is it?
8: Yeah. Oh. I see yeah. remember.
0: Oh, exciting. Does anyone have the actual issues? I just have the first two. Mm-hmm. No, everyone's the books, and one person is the absolute edition.
8: Oh, we didn't. Do we didn't talk about the uh, the thing that they took about in one of the editions? The
0: the no mama or whatever it no says. No
3: mama, yeah. No yeah. mama. Shut up,
0: mama. Oh. Yeah. Why do you think that? Did they pull that out in later editions? Was that what the case was? Yeah. And they then they re-, re. They put it back in in the new. Why don't someone give a specific of what you're referring to In case someone Wasn't in on that Twitter conversation <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't oh, uh, be what's going the, on uh, the like fifth to last page There's a close up
6: of a mouth Is the last panel And then there's a line of dialogue Which is shut up mama And they took it out of most of the editions Until the recent one
4: hmm. is, it, is
6: it right
8: before he kills himself? Or when she's having him Kill him? It's, so, right, it's yeah. right
4: after.
6: right after Okay
0: why do you think they pulled that out? Too
2: sexy. <laughs> 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 is
5: this the, the last panel of that page, or is it like a couple panels before that? It's
0: both. you shut up,
5: Really? Yeah, shut it, up, shut up.
4: Oh, there's yeah,
0: space.
7: Oh yeah. It's, it's on the next page. His
3: mouth. in the next page. It's a uh, bunches and bunches of panels like bleeding off the page, and there's that white open mouth, and in that, in some. In the original, and some of the reprints now, it says, Shut up, Mom.
5: (laughs) Oh, that'd be cheese, man. We don't need that.
8: Yeah, I was wondering if it was a Frank Miller decision or an editorial decision outside of him, but I guess he was the editor.
5: (laughs) 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 Well,
3: depending on your reading of Taggart and Agat, he likes arguing with himself, so...
0: (laughs) Right. Oh, Well, thank you all for coming on and uh, discussing Frank Miller's epic uh, masterpiece, Ronin. Um, It's very easy to find. Probably going to be the easiest to find comic we'll ever discuss in the book club, I'm thinking. Uh, If you want to check it out, give it a read and comment on the website inkstuds.com or .org. Uh, Thank you all. Brandon, Steve, Colleen, Brian, Nolan, Andrew, Chris, and Sean. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks, Rowan. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. And I hope you'll join us for the next uh, book club where we're going to read Matt Brinkman's *Multi Force*. <coughs>
2: Ow!